This message was recorded at the Christ Central Elders and Wives Weekend, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. They go very, very quickly, don't they? You think, oh, we've just arrived and now we're on the way again. I want to have a ministry time uh, at the end of this sermon. Um, what time are we meant to be finishing, Graham? Just we're finishing 12:30. Okay, I'll, I'll, so we'll finish preaching uh, around 12, and hopefully then get into some ministry time. If you'd like prayer, uh, Helen and I are here to, and, and I'm sure other leaders as well will be very happy to pray for you. Uh, please don't put the pressure. I was, I was preaching in a in a church in the home counties. Uh, recently, uh, quite a large church, and the leader uh, introduced me and he said, by the way, at the end of this sermon, Guy will have a prophetic word for anybody (laughs) who wants one. And then over to you, Guy. So at the end of my preach, I mean, I was there for two and a half hours, there was this queue, it's like, oh no, I'm never going to get out of here. Um, But we'll be very happy to pray for you and encourage you and, and to try and bless you. Let me just read a poem. Uh, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from beginning to the end. He noted that first came her date of birth and spoke the following date with tears, uh, but said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents at all time she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her knew what that life was worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard and these things you'd like to change. For you never know how much time is left. Uh, that, That can still be rearranged. It could just... If you could just slow down enough to consider what is true and real and always try and understand the way other people feel, to be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like you've never loved before, if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehearse, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? Um, I think it's, uh, there's a weight in terms of the room today, in terms of even hearing about Arnold and hearing about the, the way in which God's leading us, that I think is... God just wants to grab hold of us at this moment and, and to realize that You know, Graham said about this isn't a sprint, this is a marathon. Uh, We have such a short moment of time. The older you get, the more you realise, good grief, where's the time go? And so these moments when we come like a pit stop as elders and wives and we, we just take a time out with God and we hear uh, through, through lots of wonderful prophetic words and, and tongue, God wanting to give us good gifts. Um, I just want to pray. Uh, and then I want to preach into this in terms of just encouraging you to run your race today, to run your race with perseverance. 
and to be ready to hand on a baton to a younger generation so that your race is not the end of your gifts and your life and your ministry, but actually you are thinking in this race who it is you are handing on to so that we are carrying on an incredible work that God has begun many years before, but pushing in. Lord Jesus, I want to pray today. I serve these people well. I want to pray, Lord, that your spirit will be on uh, each word, each, each action. I pray, Lord, that you would bless and encourage leaders. Lord, it is hard work, leadership. We all know that. We come in sometimes on fumes to, to things like this. Lord, I pray, replenish us, refresh us. Give us good gifts, Father. We so need them. We so, so need your encouragement, your life. Your, your, your Holy Spirit in us and filling us, the joy of knowing our salvation. And I pray, Lord, that uh, as we just finish this last uh, part of the weekend, I pray, God, would you just give every one of us that impetus in our race, that, that, that perseverance in our race, that joy in our race that Jesus himself has for the joy set before him. I pray, Lord, you would give that as our experience. I pray for joy overflowing. Lord, we, we, we've had so many laughs this weekend. We don't want to end on a low note. We want to end into, end into joy, the joy of God and the joy of our fellowship together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, talk about uh, the leader's mission as this is the final sort of talk of mine. I want to just start by saying how many of you uh, like a good story? I mean, this is, you know, you can, how many like you reading? Let's put it like that. How many of you read? Okay. I mean, we grow up, in our nation, we grow up with stories, don't we? And actually, we grow up with stories that don't make any sense. Did you ever, have you ever wondered, are you with young babies, have you ever thought about what you're teaching your child when you're telling them these little nursery rhymes? Have you ever thought about three blind mice, see how they run? I mean, they, yeah, they're all run after the farmer's wife who cut off their tail with a carving knife. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to teach a kid, isn't it? You know, some butcher slashing off the tails of mice and then chasing her. Or how about Humpty Dumpty? I mean, who thought it was a good idea he should sit on a wall? All the king's horses and all the king's men. Well, yeah, where was health and safety when it came to singing Humpty Dumpty? I mean, it's a crazy story, isn't it? Or Goosey Goosey Gander. Whether will you wonder? What stupid song this is? Upstairs, downstairs. There I met an old man who wouldn't say his prayers. Ah, oh, what do you do? I picked him by his left leg and threw him down the stairs. <laughs> Great thing to teach your kids. Georgie Porgy. I mean, he. Where was the? Where was child protection when Georgie Porgy <laughs> kissed the girls and made them cry? Then the boys come out. I mean, it's just where are we going with this? I don't know what your favourite story was. I mean, you know, Treasure Island, Long John Silver. I mean, what was your favourite story? Someone yell out a few of their favourite stories because this is interactive, okay? This is... I'm not going to pick on you like that guy last night, okay? So, yeah. <laughs> the Lionel Witch and the C.S. Lewis. Absolutely outstanding. Outstanding stuff. The Hobbit, yeah. Good old Frodo. Arster Frodo. Any others? Robinson Crusoe, yeah. What was the other one? Kidnapped. Kidnapped, yeah. These were great classics, weren't they? But of course, today, our children read less and less and because we put on the DVDs. 
And we've got a whole selection, and it's interesting in a room like today, what people like watching, what their, what their, story, their favourite stories. So how many in this room, be honest, again, I'm not going to pick on you, how many of you like chick flicks? Okay, is it not many men? I mean, I, let's be honest. I'm not Go on. Man up, man up. I mean, I, I mean, I can't understand chick flicks. I mean, I've watched Titanic. I mean, Titanic. I mean, have you ever thought about Titanic? Rose, Rose. Yeah, it's a chick flick. It's. Listen, listen. What does Jack say to Rose? Rose, never let go, Rose. Never let go, Rose. What happens to Rose when Jack's in the water? Bye, Jack. The sinks beneath the waves. Bye, Jack. That's great. Never let go. No, bye. I mean, crazy. I mean, chick flicks. My daughters love chick flicks. I can't stand chick flicks. How many blokes like, or girls actually, blokes or girls, like the whole thing of the sort of fantasy? The Lord of the Rings trilogy. How many of you love that? Yeah, okay. We're all into Lord of the Rings. That's, that's good. Or well, a few of us aren't. Apart from Jeremy. How many of you like, this is a big one, how many of you like musicals? <laughs> Not many on musicals. I grew up on musicals. In fact, I took Heather last year to Austria. And not, a, not only did I take her to Austria, we went on a coach trip, a sound of music coach trip. And, whoa, 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 hold your applause. We had a person at the front who conducted us the whole way through. So, it went something like this. High on a hill with a lonely goat. We did that the whole way, two hours, up in the... Did you dress up, guys? <laughs> I'm not good in lederhosen. Heather, Heather looked good as Fraulein Maria. <laughs> I tell you, when he was talking about Americans last night, there was America. There's full of Americans, and Americans. I mean, they were just into this in clothing, in big ways. Like, what in earth is going on? How about horror? God, I'll tell you what. Last year, I got home late from a ministry trip. I turned on it. it had on the bottom of the screen, it had Chucky. I thought, Chucky, what's Chucky? <laughs> <laughs> driving a driving a car this little couple driving a car and suddenly this little mannequin with a knife appears behind I tell you I freaked out <laughs> horrible <laughs> horrible little <laughs> scares me even if I see his picture today now if you had to have a favourite film I mean they're very hard to get a favourite film I know but one of my favourite films of all time is Chariots of Fire yes. just love that film. Love it because obviously it's based on the true story of Harold Abrahams and uh, uh, what's his name? Little, Eric Little. And uh, just amazing in terms of how a man could run. Apparently, if you, if you read the, the, his biography, 
he could actually run with his head actually tilted back. So right. they physically can't work out how you can run a straight line and run a race with your head tilted back like that. But a great, great story, superb Vangelis music, absolutely loved it, loved it. And that's the sort of theme I want you to be thinking of today in terms of the leader's mission, running the race. And uh, I want you to uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 9. By the way, are Chris and Joe in the room? Have they gone? They've gone, have they? Okay, that's fine. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is writing this, and we're going to look at each verse in in terms of the challenge for us in running our race. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Now, in order to make this more memorable, because I know it's the end of the the weekend and you'll all sort of just switch off and not remember this, I think it'd be good for us to enter into this sermon each point. Okay? You're up for that? Yes. You all don't look very convinced. You all are quite nervous. Okay, so my point one in terms of the leader's mission is this. All... Run. So I'd like you to get up out of your seats and stand up. And I'd like you, come on, stand up. I'd like you to be, pretend you're on a keep fit class this morning. What does it say? It says, do you not know that in a race, all run. So what, what are we all doing? We're all right. Come on, Tony. This is going to be good. Think of this as being good for you. You found. Won't hurt you. Well. <laughs> okay, have a seat. We, we know, don't we, when we read uh, anything secular, we know that in our society, uh, pe- people are born and are taught that they're born into a race, the survival of the fittest, the, the selfish gene, the, the rat race, if you like. They're born into the rat race. And, and, and we read people uh, like Dawkins and we read people like that who encourage us to fulfil our destiny, to, to pass on our genes, to, to w- watch out for the, not w- be bothered about too much about the rest, but the selfish gene will prevail. And, and of course, we're living and, and, and born into the rat race. Well, our children go to school and they are born into the rat race. That is the, it's the number one child who gets through to the, 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 the gymnastic finals or, or, or gets the award at the end of year or, or passes that exam. And, of course, that, that spirit that is inculcated 
in, 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 in from the youngest age is there in all of us in terms of what matters most. And we can, we can be suckered into this even in our Christian world view that we adopt the spirit of our age with the, with the church. And it's good again to hear that actually we're not professionals. It's good again to hear that there's not many wise. Because if we're not careful, the rat race becomes our mode as operandi for building the church. We're building on a, on a faulty foundation. We're, we're building as the world thinks. And of course, the world actually, what it says is that if, even if you were to win your race, all you end up is what? Number one, rat. That's the honest answer of the rat race. But we as Christians, as leaders particularly, are encouraging our people to run against the flow. We're encouraging them to be counterculture, to, to think actually uh, the, the weakest, in, in weakness there is strength. To prefer those that are downtrodden and poor and to lift them up and to, and to, to honour them and to, to, dis, to not despise the weak and the, and the timid. We are born again into a counter-cultural race. And I'm saying this because sometimes we can believe that there are two ways of living the Christian life. There is the laid-back way, where we let go and let God, and then there is the keeny way, where we run a race. But Paul says, no, 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 look, all run. Every person in our church is running. It's in which direction are they running? Are they running with the world? Because the spirit of the age is let go and let God. That is the spirit of the age. That's the worldly spirit. Because to live the Christian life is hard work. It's, it's every step of the way you're being hit against you. The spirit of the age says, no, just relax into it. Don't take Christianity too seriously. It will all work out in the end. No, we are encouraging our church as we go back. Actually, we have been given a commission by Jesus Christ as a church. We have been given a lane and we are running a race. And we need to engage every person. We talked about Christ formation yesterday. I want to encourage you to go back. Think about this. Every person needs to be encouraged to be running their race. You don't start running after five years. How many of you know, we, as you get older, the bar on Christian leadership grows higher? Did you know that? You know, when you, when you think about the things Heather was talking yesterday when I got saved and sticking uh, stickers and Jesus, smile, Jesus, love you stickers and interrupting my biology A-level teacher saying, whoa, whoa, this is just rubbish on evolution, just absolutely, and he said, in the end, he said to me, Miller, if you shut up, I'll give you the double session at the end of term to teach on creation. I was so passionate wanting to do it, but I knew nothing. I mean, back then as a young, you know, I knew nothing. And yet today, it's like, actually, 20-year-olds, you know, as you get to your 50s, you think, 20-year-olds, well, they're a bit risky to take into leadership. We'll wait till they're 30. They actually know a little bit. But actually, that, that's rubbish. We've got to in, release our 20-year-olds into the race. Plenty of 20s. I want that to be something in your DNA. Plenty of 20s who are pushing through, men and women pushing through, into leadership, into 
taking responsibility. The Holy Spirit is our pace setter. He's the pace setter for the church, but we leaders are the coaches. And are you coaching and are you releasing your church into running this race? Or are you, have you got a, well give them five years and see what they're made of and then maybe we'll trust them with uh, the junior church class. You know, in the marathon, there's a boy in India who by the age of five had run 48 marathons. In fact, they're making a film about him. It's imaginatively called Marathon Boy. <laughs> I don't know how they came up with that name, but it was, it was good. 48 marathons by the time he was five. The oldest man to have run a marathon is also Indian. That's amazing, isn't it? And over 100 years old. So we must, as leaders, as we go back, we must be thinking, actually, we've got young people just being saved in our church. Engage them in the race. Don't say, just sit and be pew fodder for a few years and we might use you. Engage them in the race. It's a race for you to run. Start chasing after Jesus. We've got people in our churches who are in their 60s and 70s who might be talking about retirement. There is no retirement. Amen. Amen. Actually, they're, they're some of the most fruitful years. I tell you, they are some of the most fruitful years, 60s and 70s and beyond, for men and women of God. And they need to be released. They can travel. They can go to other places. They can do so much. Because we're in a race. And actually, the finishing line isn't 65 The finishing line is encountering, pushing through the tape and meeting Jesus face to face. So all run. You got that? Back on your feet. We're looking at the next verse. It says, kick off, kick off some, get yourself inflamed. If it says in 25, everyone who competes into the games goes into strict training. So my point one is everybody runs. Point two is strict training. Training is essential. Now, for training, you need just not to jog. Start jogging, please. But you also need to start using all your muscles. That's right. Come on, pump those arms and use those legs. Now, Tony, you're looking good. (laughs) Peter Kay's got nothing on Tony. (laughs) Have a seat. I should have brought my camera. Now, what Paul knows and understands and has probably observed is something of the Olympic Games and the Roman Games where he understood when when they went into these arenas to do these games that it wasn't just you turned up. It wasn't you just turned up for a bout, a boxing bout or a running race and, or a wrestling bout and just entered into it. No, you would go into it, it, sort of a, an area for the athletes where you would be removed of all normal foods, uh, normal uh, family uh, relationships. You'd be excluded and you'd be put on a very strict regime, a diet, often just vegetable diet, so that you would be totally focused, totally prepared for your one bout. It wasn't just 
actually, who wants to play? Who wants to compete? Let's do it. No, it was people who had shown themselves of having gone through these strict years of regime and exercise and diet who proved themselves worthy for that competition. The closest we can get to it today is think about people who are passionate about diets. You ever come across anybody who's passionate about, you know, there are a lot of them, isn't there, in terms of F-plan diets or the 5.2 diet? How many of you have heard of that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you know anybody on it, I mean, you'll know that two days a week, people are grumpy. Those who are on it, you can tell when they're on it. You honestly can. I mean, Heather's on it. And uh, two days a week, (laughs) two days a week, it's like, just walk on eggshells. Five days a week is great. Um, so, you, and you get people into diets or people into regimes of health and all they can talk about is abs or, or food or... And it's so boring, isn't it? I mean, have you ever met somebody? My, my, my son-in-law is into all this Keep Fit and gets magazines. He's got massive biceps and all the rest of it. But that's, they just talk about carbs and exercise and weights and, and it's like, oh... But what, they, what they're serious about is they're serious about being the best, being the top, having the right size muscles. Paul says, think of the world, think of those worlds around us that, who are competing in games, think of their training, and you must, must grab hold of this in terms of the Christian life. The Christian life is not a walk in the park. You cannot achieve God's will for your life just by turning up. Turning up on Sunday. How many Christians just turn up on Sundays and walk out going, cool, not much happened this morning. They have been in no preparation, no training, no discipline, no getting their minds ready for what God might be wanting to do in that stage of the race that particular day. Here's the quote. If you want to tweet a quote, this is a good quote to tweet. The will to win is not what is most important. It is the will to prepare to win. You understand the difference? How many of you men, this is an, an honest question, how many of you men have ever dreamt of winning a gold medal in the Olympics or kicking the winning goal for England in the World Cup. How many of you, let's be honest, stick your hand in the air. Yeah, yeah, well done, well done. I mean, I have, I have many times. And I tell you, every time I've received the gold medal or the, 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 the World Cup, I've been incredibly modest <laughs> in my thinking about it. Oh, it was nothing. <laughs> just turned up and, you know, just... That's the way it went. In went the goal. We beat Brazil 2-0 and I scored both of them. Well, it was just one of those days. Good day. I've rehearsed those talks as a young kid right the way through my adult age and realising now I probably won't ever do any of it. But I'm slow. It is the will to prepare to win that is what is most important. It is not thinking, do you know what? I feel for my life, I'd love to achieve this. I'd love to see this in my life and I am 
I've had a prophetic word about it. You know, how many of you know the prophetic word is the spirit encouragement to physical and spiritual activity? It isn't a sit back and see what happens. It's not a horoscope, a prophecy. You meet some Christians, you know, and they've had a word and and it's been rubbish. It's been a rubbish word. I've got Indians who had a word from Benny Hinn that they're going to be apostolic. But actually what they've done with their life is they've done absolutely nothing with it. They haven't decided to train or to, to be discipled or to put any action into it and have sat back and are now older and bitter and disappointed because nothing happened with it. We honour prophecy. We, I love prophecy. I love hearing God speaking. But I'll tell you what is interesting. It's those people who take hold of the Word of God, mix it with faith, and then run, that you normally find living the good of the prophetic, rather than people who have got a whole hatful in their diaries of prophetic words, and there's been no change. So we must prepare and prepare our churches to win. Training for Christ Central, it's good to hear uh, that being talked about this morning. This is so important in our busy world and technological age that we are looking at training. We are as well in commission. It's great you are as well. We want to do training to equip the church. Not the few, not just leaders, but the church so that they can run their race, whether they're going to be a housewife, whether they're going to be a brain surgeon, whatever they're going to be, we want to equip the saints to be able to run a good race. Now, 2 Timothy 2.5 says, the athlete must compete according to the rules. We know Lance Armstrong and people like him who have decided to cheat And I would want to say this, in terms of our discipleship and our training in our churches, we must redeem spiritual discipline as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control. Because we we, we are living in such a soundbite age that I believe often all we hear is rhetoric or echo of another voice. And people are living in this soundbite age where they feel like, I don't need to read the Bible even in order to hear God. Well, they're never going to hear and grow in a relationship with God, never going to run their race, never going to hear the well done of the Father unless we encourage our folks to open their Bibles on a daily basis, to read the Bible on a daily basis and to pray on a daily basis because that is a great joy and a great privilege. I'm so grateful, whoever it was, in my, I think it was a youth pastor in my spiritual formation when I first became a Christian, said to me, you need to get up early to meet with God. I said, I don't do early. And he goes, you do now. <laughs> no, 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 you don't, I, I don't understand. I like my lions. Yeah, well, God, God would want you to give him that first part of the day, get up at six o'clock in the morning and give him that first hour. Now, here I am, however many years, 30 years later, and I'm still in that spiritual discipline. Now, I have good times and bad times, like all of us do, but there's a discipline there where we can meet with God, we can open the Word of God, and we can pray, and, 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 and that's part of how we grow. And so, folks, in this, in this modern, hugely technological age, let's encourage folk, as we go back, run the race, but 
Don't just want to, oh, I'm really aspiring to be a leadership. I'm really aspiring to be, to be this Christian who really influences medicine or, or education. Actually, it's not just that desire that's important. It's the desire to prepare to be best and to do everything you possibly can. All the gifts in your, in your locker, uh, you know, unlocked. I mean, one of the things I just say to you, prophetically, you too. It's Sam and Hannah, isn't it? I would say, I would say, uh, your voice, not having your voice this weekend, I felt is a God thing. I felt God said, because I want to give you a stronger voice. I want you to work on your voice. I believe your voice will grow larger. I believe that God would say, I want you to, to develop in terms of your speaking gift, your voice to be heard to a larger world. I don't know, I don't know your gift mix or what you're actually involved with, but I feel that's part of what you do. And I feel you're, you're sort of combined together in quite a dynamic um, powerful way, like you're, like you're high explosive. And I, I, and I feel you particularly bring the spirit, uh, bring life, bring power. Actually, you know, the way you're wired is actually you're wired for the spirit and you respond quickly to the spirit. But actually, in, in a combination of gift, I believe God would say to you, you're going to bring high explosive to situations which is going to blow apart walls and areas which are no-go areas at the moment. But actually, it's a co- combination of your gifts. And I feel God wants you to, to know and combine that more and more. To be open to the spirit, you listen to your wife, but actually there's a strategic gift in you as well and a leadership gift, a teaching gift, a speaking gift that actually will speak into situations and you, wow, can't believe it. In, in, in the course of one sermon, bang, that, 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 that marriage, that situation's gone and a new opportunity is opened up. I feel God's on you for that. So we need to, secondly, go into strict training. We need that mentality. You're hearing this, aren't you? You know, it's not just, building the church is all about Christ formation. Christ formation is all about strict training. That's going to help your church. Don't just get people coming on a Sunday. Oh, that's just a crowd. It's just a crowd. Is that what you want? Is that what you really want? You go home and you've got a crowd. 100 people, 400 people, 500 people. No, we want to make disciples. That's what we've been commissioned to do by Jesus, to make disciples. They're the people that will transform society as they work out Christ's in them. So, thirdly, Paul says in, in verse 26, we need to run with clear purpose. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. So, back up on your feet. Third point is this. We are, not, we are running with clear purpose. So, here's what we have to do on this one. We do not box You've got to start boxing there. Now, I want you to put in front of you the face of somebody in your church. <laughs> Pastoral problem. Yeah, that's better. You, come on. <laughs> come on, Tony. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Come on, put some more effort into it. You're going to push through. Have a seat. Have a seat. Let me just remind you that uh, Paul begins 1 Corinthians by talking about the 
propensity in Corinth, particularly with the history of Corinth, for those people to blow into town who were good with Sophia, the, the, the latest wisdom, or those who were, had rhetoric, those people who had a gift of speaking and would just amaze you. I mean, it's interesting listening to a comedian, isn't it, last night? I mean, who enjoyed Andy Kine last night? I loved it. I, thought, I always watch people like that and think, that's an amazing gift yes. to be able to take the common, the normal, and make it funny. And you, you're often laughing, not just at their humour, you're laughing at yourself. Someone like a Peter Kay is an amazing communicator because he's taking our lives and he's making fun of us and we're all being able to laugh at ourselves. Now, what Paul is saying here is that there's a lot of people who can do the fun stuff and the public stuff and all they are really doing is beating the air. You see, what, what we need to be saved from in the church is empty pulpiteering. And again, I would say this is a very appropriate word for this, the age in which we're living. Because young people, we're finding this, you know, we get, uh, on a good day, we might have a hundred students on a Sunday morning. But on the following Sunday, it might have dropped down to 50 because somebody in town has just come in who's just amazing communicator, brilliant prophet or whatever. We have lots of conferences and things like that. But what we must be careful of, therefore, is when we are preaching and teaching, we are not <coughs> punching the air. We're not overstating stuff and oversimplifying stuff, which actually is complex. So you can have people, can't you? You can have leaders, hear leaders going, and we're in town, and we're going to take on the demonic, and we're going to tell Satan to get lost on the red light area, and we're going to do it this weekend, we're going to sock it to the enemy. And you're thinking... That sounded like a lot of hot air. What does that actually mean in practice? You know, we've walked, we've prayer walked the whole city. We've prayer walked the perimeter of the city and we've told the demons to be out of there. Well, that sounds impressive. But actually, you can walk into that town and nothing seems to have changed. The truth of the matter is, is preaching the gospel that brings the power of God, the, the, the spiritual encounter is in preaching the gospel. I believe in prayer with all my heart, but what I'm warning against is just empty rhetoric which doesn't engage people with the gospel and with real life. That's what Paul, I believe, is saying here. He's saying Christians can run round and round in circles and never move forward. Now, we're all pastors here. How many marriages are we dealing with? Every year, oh, we're back at the same place. Well, I thought we prayed this last year. Here it is, back again. Or we've heard people saying the same exhortation. You know, you get a, a preacher and you, you bring him in the following year and he's saying the same thing he was last year and it just feels empty and hollow. Michael Ramsden, who spoke at our Together platform, he said in the research they've done in, in terms of the Ravi Zacharias Trust, he's saying actually what they've found is that most Christians, their Bible knowledge at the age of 18 to 20, that Bible is no different when they're in their 50s or 60s. Now that's interesting. Because you get born again, you get saved, you get brought up in a Christian home, you devour the Bible, and then you get to about 20 and you think, put that to one side, and you stop 
delving deeper, growing deeper, loving God more. And all your conversations, all of your, your words are just empty rhetoric. Christian leaders can really fall into this. It's such a trap, particularly people like myself and Jeremy. You need to pray for us because actually what happens is there's a pressure on Jeremy to go to this and this and this and we're on the road and all the rest of it and you can stop drawing from God. You can stop praying as a husband and wife because you're just busy. And actually what ends up is you're just an echo of another voice and you don't bring the power of God or the word of God to people's lives. So Paul, when he goes into any situation, he lays in a body of doctrine and he makes it very clear to every believer that God's will, Romans 12.2, that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Now I want to say this again. Let's not make the will of God the great mystery of a person's life. The will of God is simple. The will of God is straightforward. If you read 1 Thessalonians, it makes it, it is, this is God's will for you, that you should be sanctified, you should avoid sexual immorality, and you should live holy lives. Well, that's a pretty good summation of how to live a, the will of God. What's God's will for my life? Well, avoid immorality, live a holy life, and you're doing all, you're doing all right, and you'll be able to, uh, Live that sanctified life. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.1 Be joyful always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not rocket science. You know, I want to say this, and I think this is ever so helpful. When God speaks, God speaks clearly. God's will is not a mystery that only a few find. God is only too willing, the Father giving good gifts, He's only too willing if we get it slightly wrong to give us a course correction. I would say, for God's sake, Zwingli said this, for God's sake, do something courageous and don't get fearful. What if, what, what, what if going to Canada all goes wrong? Well, God's well able to redirect your steps. You're going to be a huge blessing. You're going to open up wells that have been blocked in and and blocked up and living water will flow because of your obedience when you go there. You might think it's a hard frozen land and you think, what on earth are we going to do? God says there are wells there that need to be unblocked, wells where there's living water that will flow. And let's be honest, if you go there and six months later, well, that well hasn't released and God says, come back to England, it's not a disaster. What What is a disaster is that a couple like you don't risk and put your life on the line. And others in the room go, wow, that's how I want to live. So important. God is able to redirect our past. God doesn't want to make his will hard. He wants to make it plain and simple. And so we must encourage our folk in this way. So that's point three. I've got two more quickly to finish off with. This is the final verse here. Verse 27, I've, t- I've titled this, Watch Out for the Tripwires. It says, No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. So, I think you ought to get onto your feet again. Now, this happens in America, this next bit, so you've got to have to live with me on this one. 
you've got to do a chant, okay? So you're not going to get you jogging, so you're all right. But I'm going to make a chant, you've got to reflect it, okay? Please don't think that you're too old. To trip on sin and be knocked out cold. Please don't think that you're too old. To trip on sin and be knocked out cold. Have a seat. <laughs> Paul, in, in his spiritual journey, is saying this, I am beating my body. I am making my body my slave because preaching carries with it a huge responsibility that I can say to others, you need to run this race and actually not myself run my race. And I can be disqualified. And he knew only too well that in the Olympics, in the Roman Games, there were people who tried to cheat as there are today. If you go to modern day Olympia, which Heather and I have been, and you arrive in the incredible arena, the, the, the stones that are there, as you go down to the running track, there is on your left hand side a huge long uh, row of statues. And beneath those statues is a list of names. It starts with the, the athlete and there's a whole list of names. And we were being shown around and we said to the lady who is our guide, we said to her, wow, are these all the athletes that won in the arena? And she said, no, these are the athletes who cheated. She said, what is recorded here is not only their name, but their wife's name and their whole family history over generations. Written there for every athlete going into the arena to warn them that actually cheating brings disgrace (coughs) and disqualification. And your whole family suffers that shame. We don't have to look very far in the Christian church we've grown up with in the last 40 years to realise some outstanding men and women of God have taken, been taken over by sin, tripwires, and they're now out of the race. And we never, never ever feel smug about that. It always breaks our heart. Because you, we just know we're flesh and blood. But we are being warned here by Paul, by the Holy Spirit, that actually we need to walk in the light as leaders We need to be mindful that there are these tripwires around us and we need to make sure we are accountable with our wives, with our our brothers and sisters to make sure we do not get into places of isolation. There are two dangers in leadership, by the way, I believe, that often will lead us to sin. One is isolation and the other is actually a, a funny one, it's success. You know, leaders who've just seen a massive breakthrough who've just stood on a big platform in a conference, that's often when they are most vulnerable. They often think, they almost believe their own rhetoric. They almost believe they can walk on water. They almost believe that they're above things like sin of sex or money or power. And sadly, that's when they often fall. So, we are being reminded by Paul here that we must watch our lives and our doctrine closely. Can I just say this? Hurry sickness is rife in our nation. Pastors, 
hurry sickness, putting too much on the plate, it diminishes our capacity to love. Hurry sickness. The iPhones, they're great. Praise God, we've got all this technology. But I tell you, if you can't switch it off, you're just a dog on a lead. Every time it peeps, you oh. We did it this morning. Heather and I praying this morning. Beep, beep. Hers went and mine went. It's like, and Heather, actually, when she was praying, she said, God, help us to switch off this so we can hear you. You know, it's just the world we live in. And it's a good thing we've got, but actually it can become a thing which controls us. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I applaud um, over this weekend men and women like Jeremy and Anne. I think they're amazing. They're amazing coaches. They're amazing leaders. They're amazing people to follow. Uh, I mean, I love being with the team. I mean, obviously, just just, it's a joy. I've I've really, it's such a joy to be here. And, but please, please, please pray for your leaders and their wives. Don't take it. Don't take it for granted. When, they ha- when we talk about a sabbatical, they're great. They need, they, we need pit stops. And pray for them to be revived and replenished because that blessing will be your blessing. And actually, if they were to fall, I mean, where do we all stand? So we need to be very mindful of this. Just, just, I just feel, hang on, listen, just hearing the Holy Spirit on this. I feel for Graham and Sarah, I just feel God would say to you, I think one of you would say you're an outstanding couple. I think he'd want you to hear that today. I think you're an outstanding couple. But it's, it's in, a way, in a way, what I'm seeing in the Spirit is, you know, when Dan talked about the Ferrari, imagine, imagine we're going out of the room today, all of us, and outside the hotel is a Ferrari, sitting there with the keys and the ignition, the engine's running, no one's in it. Would anybody in this room get in that Ferrari and drive it home? Nobody would, because it would be stealing. Because there's integrity in us, we wouldn't do that. I feel discouragement is a coat waiting for you as you leave this conference. I feel it's a, a coat that a few people might want to pick up. And I feel God would say to you, you would never ever get in that Ferrari and steal it. Why would you pick up discouragement as you go? John Piper says this, you need to learn to refuse discouragement as firmly as you resist sin. As firmly as you resist sin. And I feel God is saying about you, at the moment, you and the church is in dry dock. God is rebuilding your church. That means some pieces of timber that you thought were essential for the boat are being taken out. And you can't quite work out because they look like they were good bits of timber but they weren't strong enough bits of timber. God is saying he's building a church, a boat, which is much, much larger. It's a destroyer. It has huge power. And actually the existing timbers in that boat would not be able to withstand the high seas that God's going to take you through. And this is into the nations as well. It's not just the UK but also firepower, big guns in it as well. God will give you prophetic gifting, he'll give you evangelistic gifting in that church, which is going to really make a difference in Derby and beyond. 
So do not be discouraged. I feel God would say, don't walk out of this conference feeling, do you know what, it's been, it's been really, it has been hard. I know it's been hard. God's about a bigger work. And God wants you to grab hold of that and see that in the spirit and hold on to his encouragement that he's about a bigger work for you. He's for you. Amen. You're a great, great couple. Amen. Amen. So my final point, and you've been wondering all the way through this sermon what these pieces of paper are, and this isn't in the text, so you have to excuse this, is about handing on the baton. How many of you like watching England or Britain or, no, England, England in the Olympics in the 4x100 or the 4x400? <laughs> yeah, quite. You know what's coming. I mean, how difficult can it be to pass a piece of wood between one person and another? I mean, England makes it look so difficult. We run out of the zone. We drop the darn thing. We, we, we're brilliant at it. I mean, we're just so... I mean, Jamaica never drop it. America never drop it. England, oh, we're winning. Oh, there it goes. Oh, where, there goes our gold, silver, bronze. Oh, here we go again. Every time, every time, your heart's in your mouth thinking, oh, on a simple handover. Now, Paul, when he writes his final letter, is in a little tiny cell in Rome. Someone who was speaking recently, I heard, saying they'd visited what they think was Paul's last place where he, t- he penned to Timothy and little light from the street above, he'd have got a few shadows, he heard the hawkers and the people and he knew just literally a few hundred yards away was the arena where he would be sentenced to death and die. And so when he writes his final words, he's very mindful that there's a baton in his hand and he's writing to his Timothy and he's saying, look, here's the baton, I've run the race, I've fought the fight, now in store for me, he's looking to the finishing line, is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give him. He's looking for that, but he's saying, to run this race well, I have to have a successor. There is no success without a successor. The all-important thing in leadership and in ministry is that you're always thinking of passing things on. What is fruitful ministry? What is a blessing and a gift God's given you? God would say, multiply it by intentionally, not just... Anybody, anybody here fancy take intentionally putting a baton in somebody's hand so that you will run your race. And what is amazing, what I find staggering is that younger men, younger women can run further than I can. They can run faster than I can. And it, it's humbling because sometimes they get all the plaudits and you think, oh, I was involved in that. But that's the whole point. That is the whole point. Paula Radcliffe ran the marathon in 2 hours, 15 minutes and 25 seconds. This year, Kip Sang from Kenya in Berlin broke the world record for the marathon at 2 hours, 6 minutes, 32 seconds. Absolutely amazing. These are world champion athletes. Can I say to you, you're world champion? I believe God would say you're world champions. You're not an after show what's going on in the world out there. God is more interested in what's going on in here than he is millions of good activities and worldly activities out there because he's saying, you're running a good race. Well done. Now here, finish this, finish this weekend well by get, taking hold of a baton and intentionally putting it in the hand 
of a younger man or a younger woman. And so, this is what I'd like, how I'd like us to finish. I'd like anybody who is man or woman, who is over the age, and I'm going to go 55, just to make sure I've got enough batons, I'd like them to, just to come up here and take a, a piece of paper, which is a baton from, from, from me, as an apostolic charge as we finish this cop. So, if you're over 55, don't be embarrassed. Come and take a... And stay here. Don't go and sit down. Here we go. That's great. Well done. Well done. There's loads of these. Let's pass them out. Have we got enough? Have we got enough? This is good. Now, I wonder if you could form a line. Those of you who have come forward, form a line along the front facing. You got one? We're still doing, we've still got some, we've got plenty. There we go, well done, well done. Keep, keep them going out. Anybody else? Yes, well done, well done, Nigel. A few more, is that it? Okay, now this is good. Come, f- Come forward, of course, slightly a little bit more. Sipping, form a straight line. Form a straight line so that everybody move right along to the end so there's room for a straight line. Come on, you know, come on your leaders here, form a straight line. Okay, okay. Now here's what you're going to do. Because you're going to follow this instruction carefully. You're going to turn around and face the stage, but you're holding behind you a baton because somebody's going to come and take your baton from you. So turn around. Hold back the baton back because we're looking for this. Now, I want to say to people who are in their 20s and 30s, it doesn't matter which leader you're coming to, okay? You're not going to try and make this too complicated. But you in your 20s and 30s are saying, as a young man, a young woman, I am taking responsibility in the church where I am today for leadership. So if you would mind coming, 20s and 30s, why don't you move? And just hold on to the baton. Just hold on to it. Make sure everyone's holding on to a baton. Well done. If there's too many of you, too hot, grab hold of a baton with two hands, two of you. Keep pressing down. Well done. Everyone make sure their hand is on a baton. Right, I'm going to come forward and I'm going to pray. I'm going to barge my way forward here. Right, here, here, here's what we're going to do. First of all, I'm praying for you guys and girls who are handing over. I want to pray for you. So let's just be in the spirit. Lord Jesus, as we finish... This weekend, we're so grateful for so many blessings in our life. But I want to pray for an impartation of faith for every leader here, man or woman, Lord, that they would not hold on to their gifts, they would not run their race and just think selfishly of their own ends, but Lord, they would think today of how to multiply their gift in your hands to give away to others. I pray, Lord, for a work of the Holy Spirit 
I pray encourage them. They have run well. Lord, there's still laps to go, many laps to go, but Lord, they have run well and we applaud them as heaven applauds them. We say, well done, good and faithful servants. Now hear the heart of your Father. Give away and keep giving away. Multiply the gifts that God gave you. Multiply it into the hands of others and be intentional about it. Now let me pray for the 20s and 30s. Lord, I want to pray there be plenty of 20s in Christ Central. I want to pray, God, hundreds of them, uh, hundreds of men and women who are leaders who will take responsibility, not just watch what's going on in church, take responsibility and lead. I pray, Lord, a multiplication of gifts. As they laying hold of a baton today, I pray, Lord, they'll be laying hold of the God who has run ahead of them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. Lord, you conquered the sin and the grave and death, and you sat down at the right hand of the Father, and you ever live to intercede for these 20s and 30s to run their race. I pray, God, let them go way beyond their fathers and mothers today in terms of knowing greater power and greater blessing, greater anointing on their life. We cry out for you, God. Multiply the gifting we've seen. Multiply it again and again that Jesus will be known in our nation. Churches will be built. Churches will be planted and the name of Jesus honoured in this nation and around the world. God, we thank you. You're for us. We want to run our race well now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as you go back to your seats... We are, I think what we'll do is we'll have a song. If, if, uh, I would like to, sometimes when you finish a weekend like this, there's ministry that you just would love, personal ministry of, of, of Jeremy and his team or Guy and Heather to pray for you. We'd love to be able to do that, but it'd be great to finish by worshipping. Uh, Tom's done a great job, hasn't he, in terms of leading us in our worship. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much. But if you'd like prayer, as this will be the sort of the signing off, handing back to Jeremy. But if you'd like prayer, please do come forward at the end of this and uh, we'd love to pray with you. Bless you.